Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Hey, David. Doing all right tonight? How about yourself? Yeah, good. I'm a little bit ticked off. I was hoping to go to stick and puck uh, after the Oilers game and then it got canceled for some reason. So couldn't go, couldn't work on my game. You know, I'm on admission, Bruce, to uh, play on Wayne Gretzky's line at the under one, under 90 uh, world championships in 2052. So uh, that set me back. It set me back a little, but I'll keep at it. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> that is my goal. Uh, so the Oilers win. They got the monkey off their back, Bruce. For a second there, I was having a little PTSD. Uh, the Oilers were going to blow another game to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but they managed to win 4-3 to three in fine fashion, I must say. Um, so uh, we're going to go with the Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, and Two Numbers podcast. And because the Oilers won, we'll go with two good things each. What is your first good thing? Well, I'm going to start with uh, the net mining of Mikko Koskinen tonight. I thought he was... Uh, pretty big factor in the Oilers win. I mean, you look at it and he made 31 saves and let in three goals and it's at 9-12 and 9-13 or something, but, you know, you think it's about normal. But, man, he seemed to face an awful lot of quality rubber in that game, didn't you think? Lots of close-in yeah. defensive breakdowns in front of him left and right. Yeah, and, we didn't keep count ourselves <laughs> of the scoring chances, but uh, it had to be double the Jets, right? Oh, I, mean, yeah. I think it well, there was three or four different ones where the guy had two chances where Koskinen stopped him and still wasn't getting any help, so he had to stop him again, you know, or stop another jet on the rebound. And they weren't necessarily bad rebounds because the first chances were so good. It was sloppy defense, which we'll talk about in a different part of the podcast, I suspect. But uh, Koskinen cleaned up a lot of mistakes in this game. And uh, he... Uh, he didn't get beaten on the first shot, but he did punt the rebound of that first shot into the slot where, uh, uh, was it Josh Morris? He called Connor, ripped it home. And uh, so it wasn't a most auspicious start. But from there, it could easily have been 3 nothing before the Oilers even woke up. Uh, Koskin made it, a number of good saves, and then the Oilers' power play bailed them out late in the first, and they got a goal, and all of a sudden they're... they're, they're they're walking out of the first period with a 1-1 tie that in no way did they deserve based on 5-on-5 five five play. But their netminder deserved it. And then he, second period, like Oilers kind of took over in terms of getting a couple goals. But again, Koskinen faced a number of high quality chances and uh, turned them aside. And, and he just was rock solid. Like the two in the third period, that that score, they were well-executed plays that were basically tap-ins from the edge of the crease by the Jets. Again, I put those on the defense. And uh, credit to uh, to the big Finn. He looks dialed in. And he, he, was, he was just interviewed in the post-game. Uh, and he said something quite revealing that, you, you know, you don't necessarily think about with these, uh, especially the older guys. But they asked him about last year, uh, how he felt about his about last year and he said mostly what i felt last year was lonely <laughs> that he was here his family was back in finland his wife his kids his dog uh you know there was nothing much to do after the games 
and he was uh, uh, he was um, uh, I, I think probably it got to him, you know, and uh, he was quite forthcoming about it. And, was, you know, when you look at this, you know, like say 34 year old man, six foot seven, you don't think, you know, big, powerful athlete, you don't think in terms in those terms. But as he said, uh, roughly uh, paraphrasing, you know, uh, uh, we're human beings too. And it's uh, uh, last year had to be a different season. I mean, some people pointed to Zach Cassian having to play without fans that affecting his game. Well, there was lots of stuff going on behind the scenes that we're not necessarily privy to. And I, I felt for him, and I, I actually appreciated him opening up on that. A lot, a lot of men, particularly, would have been too proud to admit to following this, but. Um, uh, here we are, and now his family's here, and his kids, and his dog, and everything. They're all in Edmonton, and he looks like a happier man, and he looked, he looked comfortable in his skin. So, it, it, Social isolation and loneliness is one of the... We're dealing with a number of pandemics right here, and one of them is is loneliness, and it's Absolutely. it's eating away at a lot of us. And it was... Uh, honestly, Bruce, it's so great to see fans in the stands at the games, and people laughing and smiling in public again. It's like... I, I know there's some amount of risk attached to that, but it's I can't help but feel it's just fantastic. It just lifts my lifts my spirits to see it, like people smiling and cheering. And man, do we need this? So and 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 yeah, I agree. Good for Koskinen and, and good for him in this game. He yeah. the, he he when he's on, he he looks so big in the net, right? And I can imagine how he looks to the players on the ice. He just looks huge. And he's, and he's, and he, and again, another sign that he's on, he starts to suck in the the pucks in, into the rebounds. So I, I, some, some fans were snarking after that first goal. There it is, the glove hand. But, uh, you know, I, I haven't really noticed. Kyle Connor didn't even get like, yeah, I, I, I haven't really. Last year. I think that's a, he lets in goals everywhere, like every goalie. And I don't think that's a particularly, you know, maybe I'm wrong analytically. Maybe there's some numbers that prove that this is a particular issue with, with Koskinen. But his whole game just was off last year for much of the year. He had been a really good goalie, though, the year before. 9.17 save percentage. And, you know, right up there with Jacob Markstrom, who got that massive contract. What will it do to the Oilers, Bruce, this year if, like, Koskinen has a 9.20 save percentage? Like, okay. I, that, okay. this is the thought that crossed my mind. <laughs> well, they can't, right? So this is the thought that was crossing my mind tonight. Like, I've already, I'm already penciling in my head. Okay, they're like, they're going to be giving, they're going to have either Skinner or Konovalov as the backup next year, and the, he'll only earn this much, and then they have this much to sign player. Like, I'm, I am always wearing that little invisible GM hat as I'm wearing watching the game. And as, so as Koskinen was playing really well, it suddenly occurred to me, what if he has a big year? I mean, that that would be fantastic from an Oilers perspective. But it's going to really screw with the cap. <laughs> so anyway. Well. Uh, these are the considerations of the modern fan, I guess. you got to, you're, you're thinking, you're seeing the game through two, I, I see the game now through these two windows. Like, Pugliarvi's on the power play, he scores a goal, I'm thinking, oh, geez. Is that's he going to, like, that's going to, like, exactly. So great that he scored, but, oh, can they really afford him on the power play? Get Hyman back out there, you know. And, uh, anyway, this is a, I, I do have these thoughts constantly through the game, so. All right, my good thing, 
we were seeing glimmers all through that game, I thought, as, especially as the game went on. I mean, Drysaddle started out asleep with the rest of the team. But as the game went on, we were starting to see those great glimmers of him and Nugent Hopkins combining. And they really do play well together. I don't, I don't think I'm making this up or imagining it. It's, it's real. It is fantastic to see. They just are on the same wavelength. They're give-and-go players. They're players who are pass-first players. They think the game the same way, and they really move the puck well. And, and I was thinking of it being my good thing, Bruce, before that fantastic final play. But that did seal it. Um, it, it was, you know, it was, there's no one who passes the puck as well backhand as, as Leandre Settle. I don't think. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, there's Crosby maybe, but I don't see anybody right mm-hmm. now passing the puck backhand as well as Leandre Settle. In fact, it's hard to remember players. You, you got to go back a bit to Lemieux. And Wayne, some other Gret- Wayne Gretzky had Gretzky. a great, great backhand pass. Yeah, I wouldn't put Lemieux up in that category. Off the backhand side of his stick, like Lemieux did most of his damage to to my yeah, mind. You may, may well be correct. What about Yager? Like I don't. I'm thinking. Side, yeah, we're talking Gretzky about the high end elite. Yeah, backhand. Uh, and when it comes to skills off the backhand side of the stick, Leon is way way up there. So his feed to you know, that crossing feet on the backhand to Nugent Hopkins who cruised into the slot and just drained it, uh, which was nice to see as well. Um, all I can say is I just hope we see eight years of this, you know, mm-hmm. like those two guys combining and combining and combining. Cause I, I think they are a really good match together. And we saw, we saw it tonight in, in a way we never even saw it last year. When they did get together, they just couldn't ever really get in total sync. So I'm glad we're seeing them together in the preseason. It's the right move. It should have been, it should have frankly happened last year. They were experimenting all year long. And I think it, it had a detrimental effect on, on Nugent Hopkins, probably a positive effect on the salary cap, uh, because he got a lot less money than he would have got if he had had like a 70 or 80 point season. Mm -hmm. So have that now, Nuge. Get that 70 or 80 point season right now, this year. And I think it's entirely possible. Like, I don't think, you know, like, I, I think Hyman's ceiling's probably limited in terms of his points. I'm, I'm thinking 70 is the absolute maximum for Hyman if he had a career year. But it's more likely he's going to get around 60 if he has a good year, about 60 points. Nuge could have, you know, a number of years here where he puts together 70, 75 point seasons in a row. And uh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, well, the other key on that particular play was uh, before he ever made that great pass, Drysaddle stealing, outright stealing the puck in the neutral zone right off of a, a Jets player and getting the possession and sort of heading for the ice and glimpse over his shoulders. You know, if I can hang the puck over here, I give Nuge time to get over there and bang. And, and Nuge, he, they interviewed him in the post game too, and he said, uh, my job is just to go go for the spot and trust that uh, he can get me the puck. Even if it doesn't look like he can see me, I'm still going to trust that he's going to get me the puck. And he, uh, uh, I stop being surprised when he does get me the puck. And that's good because you don't want your <laughs> shooter to be surprised. You want the goalie and the defenseman to be surprised on the other team. Yeah. And that is just, you brought up Gretzky earlier. That's very much like how it was uh, people playing with Wayne Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Uh you yes. just have to go to the front of the net and hope. Hopefully, you're, you got something in your eyes there, Bruce. I do. I do. I do. Oh, all right. Yeah, I got an issue with it, but it's just going to go away. There's a great um, uh, haiku about Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> a, a, a Gretzky. A, 
a, a found haiku. It was uh, in the words of the Russian uh, assistant coach Igor Dmitriev during the 87 Canada Cup. And he was describing Gretzky and he said, he comes from nowhere, he passes to nobody, and a goal is scored. And that's a haiku. That is five that seven is, that's, five. It's a perfect haiku, and he just said it in the second language. It was fantastic, and he perfectly <laughs> described Gretzky. He was a very articulate coach, as I recall, Dmitriev, mm-hmm. and that is a f- absolutely fantastic uh, recollection, Bruce. And, I wrote and it down. story. Oh yeah. <laughs> many more goals. I hope we get many more goals like that uh, from. Uh, from Nuge and uh, Drysaddle this year. Bruce, I will continue on with my, what is my other good thing? Do I have another good thing? Are you ready well, to go? Watch I'm, I'm ready to roll. My other good thing well, go is ahead. another guy we're going to be paying next year, uh, Yessa Poliarvi. Uh, he's, you're talking about every time something good happens, you're going, well, that's going to cost us. Well, this guy might be pretty expensive in a year's time, but uh, man, does he have a lot of game, Yasa Poliarvi. And he showed it in many different fronts tonight. Uh, one with an absolutely terrific defensive play. He broke up a pass from, I think it was Connor to Ehlers, and it looked like Ehlers was going to have the whole side of the net to pound it in. And and uh, Poliarvi came all the way back into the slot and snaked out his stick and, and tipped that one away from trouble. Uh, and then he scored the 1-1 goal by going to the front of the net, completely sh- shading out Eric Comrie in the, in the net and somehow getting a piece of Drysaddle's outside shot. Not sure if it bounced off his body or if he actually got the shaft of his stick on it. It sort of shot into his body. And anyway, he was able to deflect it somehow into the corner uh, just by using his size to advantage and... and then, of course, he scored the 3-1 uh, from out top of the face-off circle when he had got a little bit of room and he just wound up and blasted a full slap shot, Bobby Hull style, you know, stick over the, uh, almost up over the head and boom, yeah. and into the corner she went, 3-1. to one. And uh, sweet, sweet goal. Lots of good plays from Pugliarvi tonight. A couple of mistakes, and I think he made one on the 3-2 goal for... Um, uh, where he kind of blew the zone and maybe thinking Hattrick at that point. But, uh, uh, you know, he's still a kid, you know, in many ways, right? He's 23 years old and and still, you know, not, his, game, his entire game is still coming. Let's put it that way. And he's got to iron some stuff out of it. And, uh, but uh, he brings so much and he's, he's getting so much more confident, fighting for the puck, battling along the boards. He's not a boy against men. He's a man himself, and he's a big man. Is he and ever? A determined man. And I'm the air, <laughs> the aircraft carrier, Bruce. The aircraft carrier. <laughs> yeah, like really. we saw this in Finland last uh-huh. fall, right? Like him, because that was a lower level of play, and we saw right. this physical dominance in in right. uh, yeah. that league, where this great big guy is cruising around the ice, you know, nuclear yeah. powered. It's got the engine going, and. Uh, Man, uh, we're now seeing it at the NHL level in an exhibition game, of course. But yeah, yeah that kind of air, you know, that uh, he's just kind of playing that, you know, Frank Mahovlich game, the big man with the puck game. And it's funny that shot, 
how often do you see that shot, like that slap shot go in from outside in the NHL? Hardly ever anymore. That Because most goalies make that safe. But I, I was thinking Bobby Hull too. And I was thinking that was a Bobby hell of a shot. Uh, yeah. Because we used to see that goal a lot in hockey. A lot. From the blue uh, in the line 70s, in. 70s, 80s. You saw that mm-hmm. goal a lot. You hardly ever see it anymore because the goalies make that safe almost always. But that was that was such a shot. Oh man, that 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 was a uh, that was spectacular. He was certainly happy. Thought his whole thought his tongue was going to cover his whole face. He was so happy. With that one. <laughs> uh, all right, my uh, go ahead. Sorry. He turned to congratulate and be congratulated by his line mates, and he made a different face at each one of them. He's, he's such an expressive guy. It's yeah. impossible not to like him. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have been big Yesapoliarvi <laughs> fans, you know, from the start, and never. I don't think we either of us were ever really lost faith in him. There was a lot of fans like, oh, they should trade him. Like when he went to Finland, and I, we weren't. We were never in that camp. So it's particularly sweet for the uh, for the faithful. Uh, I'm going to go with a good thing. I had a really good, I'm getting a really good impression of Warren Fogle. I, he, 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 I'm going to get to this in my bad thing. You know, he was also a culprit on a goal against, but um, the guy plays a hard nosed game. Like he's, he's in there fast and hard. He goes to the net, a simple, straightforward game, but he, he seems to have some skill about him as well. So I'm just getting a, a good first impression of him overall. Um, we'll know more about his defensive play when we watch as we watch more games, and uh, are able to go over actual video review and of the scoring chances right. and and dig into it. Something that we can't do right now. Uh, nonetheless, he, yeah, he he seems like um, a kind of gritty, tough winger that could really help the others. He and Hyman together, like kind of a missing component on this team for a number yes. of years. Uh, those kind of players who who can wingers with skill who are really tough didn't have a lot of those, which is how you end up overpaying Zach Cassian, um, because you you're so desperate for that guy. You know you're you're hoping this is it. So Fogel, um, yeah, I, I, we'll see how he does as the regular season goes along. But good first impression for sure. Yeah, well, he made a, he made a one very good defensive play in the in the defensive slot, uh, and then a little bit later on, he had one that got through him on on uh, I think it was the second Shifley's goal, goal. Yeah, Shifley's goal. Yeah, the '97 line had uh, had a l- little bit of a glitch on their defensive shift there. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't just him. Fogel. I'm not sure on the first goal who made that soft pass around the boards to Cassian. That may have been Fogel. I'm not sure. Uh, I was watching it again, and from the video replay, I couldn't tell who it was. But any, the, that wasn't the primary mistake on on that no, goal. No, it was it was McLeod, Sevier, and Cassian who were on the ice for that. Oh, uh, maybe it was. Well, I don't know if it was Sevier or McLeod. I couldn't tell. It was a lefty. It was McLeod. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yikes. All right, Bruce, bad things. Moving along. Moving along, my friend. Yeah, the start to this game, Edmonton didn't come out well at all. And the whole first period, I mean, I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. They, they got away with it. The power play bailed them out. The goalie bailed them out. They got out of it one-to-one, outshot 8-14. to 14. But they were a day late and a dollar short for easily the first 10 minutes of the first period. They won very few battles, and, and uh, they lost their 
their form, their shape in the defensive zone more than a few times. And it seemed like Winnipeg wanted the puck a little more. And they did correct for it. And I mean, it is a 60-minute game, uh, not a 10-minute game. But you don't want to be coming out of the gate slow like that. And uh, so to me, that was a bad thing. And I thought at one point, I thought this could be a long night. And then Koskinen made a couple of saves. If Jets had even stretched to 2 nothing. It might have been a different, uh, but but uh, they never did uh, have more than that one goal lead. The three meter man. Yeah. Uh, my my bad thing. Yeah, the, the the start of the game, Bruce. I just thought, well, it's an exhibition game, and and um, <laughs> that's what it really felt like. Of course, yeah. some regular season games can feel like this. You know, what is it? Even a, even a really good team. I think is going to have in the ex, in the regular season about one out of ten games or is is a stinker. So you know even a, a high functioning yeah. team in oh, the exhibition yeah. season that's probably cranked mm-hmm. up to a different level. Well, it was kind uh, of a kind of a crossover where part of it you're thinking, geez, I wish the regular season would start. This exhibition season's already gone on way too long. Yeah. And immediately followed by, well, I'm sure glad this game doesn't count in the standings the way that they're playing. So you know, but. Uh, there's a, still another week of it to go, and I, I'm pretty sure, you know, it's hard for the players to be, like, really highly motivated for games like this. And to their credit, I thought they raised their their game and their, you know, their kind of their professionalism to uh, acceptable standard. Uh, and, you know, little breakdowns in the third, but they, you know, they hung around and managed to get the zero points for the win. I, I have to say, I think the Jets are a really good hockey team. Yeah. Nikolai, Nikolai Ehlers is a fantastic a hockey player. And um, they keep their developing players. They draft and they develop well. Um, you know, there's players bubbling up like Cole Perfetti looked really good. And, um, you know, uh, might get some help from other young guys. So, yeah, a good Jets team. My bad thing, Bruce, is the defensive play of some of the forwards in particular. And I think on each of the goals, you can identify forwards who were there. There were defensemen who also made mistakes, but there was some some forwards who really, really made mistakes. So on the first goal, um, there's whoever threw it around the boards rather softly, and it, it may well have been McLeod. I think you're probably right about that. And then Cassian, I don't know what he was doing, waiting for the puck. You know, go to the puck maybe. Yeah. But uh, he can. Like in, in some ways, I liked Zach Cassian's game quite a bit. He had five hits. He was really snarly at times, and mm-hmm. I, and and I liked that. I really liked that aspect of like. There's no one else on the Oilers who's like that, and it's it's good to have that player on your team. Someone who's a little bit scary, uh, even to fellow NHL hockey players, because I, I I'm assuming I'm guessing that Cassian is that. But <laughs> when he's when he has plays like this, and and there he has them right? Like where he, he makes mental errors. He just, the puck is like, it's coming, it's coming around the boards. I guess he thought nurse was going to go get it. And nurse didn't look good on that play at all either, but Mm -hmm. Cassian was just snoozing. Then on the second goal, okay. The second goal is the Shifley goal. That's the one where it goes through Fogel. The pass, the cross team pass goes through Fogel in the slot. doesn't get his stick on it. He kind of, waves at it and it goes by and then yes a has blown the zone and is and isn't covering the player coming in to get the pass and cruising into the slot and then the pass goes through cc in the slot so that's you know cody cc he he, he had the toughest job there because he's the last man and there's two men coming at him fast and right. uh sometimes you're not going to make that play so, 
because with Pulley RV, especially that was also a mental error to not be in position defensively covering your man. Then the third goal, uh, Chisholm, not oh, really the play for Winnipeg. That was a heck of a play by Chisholm, but he yeah, got behind Pulley RV and he made him pay for that mistake. It's yeah. A great pass. The third goal is the, a weird goal. And, and CC was out of position. I think it's for, safe to say like he's, he's the right D and he's way up at the point on the other side with Logason. So that with at, at one point, at one point Logason and CC are battling for the puck and there's three forwards behind them, which is okay. If the forwards, you know, that's not, it's not necessarily a, a positional mis- any kind of mistake by the defenseman, right? Sometimes that happens where you're just going to get, you know, you're following your man and the battle takes you there and you're engaged in the battle. I, I think CC probably was out of position. Nonetheless, there's three guys kind of below them and as the play developed, though, Ryan McLeod and Sevier, who really were filling in on defense for those two guys, just totally moved up. They 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 didn't hang. They didn't cover for them. They moved up forward, and uh, all of a sudden, there's it's like there's a two on zero almost down low, and certainly a one on zero in the end, and they get that that goal. So I don't know what Sevier and McLeod were doing, but I'm starting to wonder. Like I was talking to Kurt. Kurt and I, I think you like Sevier more than I did. And so did Kurt. Kurt liked Sevier more than I did. I'm not feeling it with the guy. I'm not seeing it on the ice. Have a good game tonight. Maybe I'm missing something. I could be missing something because again, we're not going over the replays and we're, I'm not right. watching as closely. I, I'm, I'm I'm unable to do so. So I could easily be wrong about this player, but Bruce, I just don't get it. And um, Ryan McLeod, Bob Stoffer mentioned he's overpassing the puck. That's that was definitely the case. Um, you know, he's never even in the even in major junior, like he had his in some ways his best scoring year um, last year in the HL as a point of game guy uh, in terms of impressiveness because point of game guys are a dime a dozen in major junior hockey. Point of game guys at his age in the HL last year, that's pretty good, yep. and uh, it's it's speaks to someone who might have some offense in the NHL. We haven't seen that in his NHL play. If the defensive game isn't there and, and it all hangs on that for him, if it's not there, he won't be on the orders. And I'm starting to think they, they might be sending him down. Um, you know, there's talk that you could protect you. You'll lose Tyler Benson. If you send him down, you might lose him. You risk that if you send McLeod down, you don't, but it's a, it's an easier decision. If McLeod actually isn't, quite you know if he needs a kickstart 10 or 20 games in the ahl um with devon shore probably taking his spot or i don't think it'll be tourists but devon shore and you know as big a critic as i was of kyle tourists this year i've liked he he was again strong in this game i thought he had some good moments and played okay hockey so i could see tourists and shore justifiably winning spots ahead of you know Certainly McLeod at this point, and maybe Benson as well in the lineup. And then there's Perlini, you know, who uh, who got was in on another goal. What do you think of Perlini, Bruce? Do you think he's going to be able to keep it I going? Think, he was a little more not noticeable in tonight's game. Yeah, he got an assist by shooting, which is what he's yeah. been doing. He's, he's certainly got a hot stick, and his shot was tipped home by Shore. That line was fairly badly outplayed by the, at least by the shot meters. They were outshot double, like 7-4 and 14 against. 
something like that, or I guess five yeah. to ten and shots on goal. But they got the goal and then Jets didn't get any, so they came out of it okay. Um, but I thought Pervini had less impact on this game. Uh, Turris, he had a couple of uh, howlers early on defensive zone coverage, but yeah, that he was far from alone with that problem. But a couple times he was just near this guy that was the danger guy, but he didn't do anything about it. And that would be a before. that would be a recurring theme. Yeah, well, he was covering for the center, and yeah, uh, and we know. And sure, I'm I'm liking the things that he's doing, the proactive things that he's doing, but I'm not sure that his positional play and his coverage is that is that great as a center. It's so it's that, not. That, that line that yeah. line tonight went, uh, uh, yeah, they they uh, uh, they they came out of it okay in in terms of the goal, the actual goals being scored, but I didn't think they played that strong of a game. What's your number, Bruce? I'm going to go with, well, a line of numbers, but let's start with this one. 29 minutes and 38 seconds. This is Darnell Nurse in tonight's game. Being leaned on heavily by Dave Tippett as if two points were at stake. And I guess it's just, this is how Darnell plays and this is what we're going to do. We play him half the game. He played 26 shifts and uh, he led the defenseman in ice time shifts average shift length power play time shorthanded time and even strength time all six ice time categories darnell was the leader and he also led in shot attempts with six hits with two takeaways with two and the scary thing is i didn't really actually think he had that good of a game no and yet he, he sure did he sure played a lot of it and uh, you know he came out uh you know, I got an assist in the end, and uh, and uh, uh, he and he and Bouchard were not really on the same page for, especially early. And again, early, the whole team wasn't on the same page. But there was one like kind of standard two-on-two, where the puck carrier went at Bouchard, and Nurse came over to help Bouchard. Well, guess what? Now the other guy is free and clear, and on Nurse's side, and it's just trying to do the other guy's job instead of doing his own. So, you know, there's some stuff to work out. And I'm not sure he and Bouchard are necessarily a partnership that we're going to see a whole lot of this year. But um, uh, I, I disagree, Bruce. Sure I put th- in the work, man. I, well, I got stuff to iron out before. Yeah, the, that's, before I, I think that's a fair there. comment. Let's but I, okay. I do think we're going to see a lot of them. I think we're going to see Bouchard on the first pairing before the year's out. Be, be, yeah, by, by the new year. Okay. He's just too good a player. I mean, I just, right. his, his skill level is, his offensive skill level is at the same, you know, he, he can play with those guys, with those great players, and they're going to want to play with him. So if he can get his defensive game together, and and I liked, you know, there's a, there's a couple, yeah, there's a couple moments I liked, though, like when that guy went at him and Bouchard went right back at him. That's not something typically we've seen from Bouchard, but he, he was really nasty uh, coming back at the Jets player. There's another moment where Pugliarvi, uh, was out there with dry saddle and, and was skating up the ice and just slammed his stick on the ice a couple of times, you know, demanding the puck from, it was either from dry saddle or McDavid. And that was another really good sign, you know, to see these young players assert themselves like that in the oh, NHL. I agree. I agree. Big moments, great. big moments. And so Bruce, I, yeah, I do think Evan Bouchard, I think, and I, uh, it's a little early to tell. We'll see how he does defensively. I'm optimistic he's going to hang in there defensively, but you never really know until you see a, a player consistently have to face tough, tough, tough competition. It eats up players. 
I mean, Darnell Nurse has struggled with it off and on, you know, like as good a player as he's become, he still has, he still has stretches where he's, he's getting beat regularly and struggling with it. And he had a, he had a bad stinker tonight on a goal against nurse did. So we'll see. First, my number is under 12 and it's all these forwards. And I don't know how common this is, but it just, I just was looking at the time on ice. There was five orders forwards who had under 12 minutes. Uh, Seth Griffin, 10 Oh one, uh, Perlini, 1140, Sevier 1108, no, Sevier 10, what is it, 10.37, McLeod is at 10.32, and uh, Devin Shore, did I say him already? I think I did. 11.08. 11.08. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting because you could see the Oilers going with, essentially you've got two top lines and two bottom lines, and they're fairly interchangeable this year, and I wouldn't be surprised to see that's the case. That said, there's going to be an argument when you have uh, Derek Ryan, maybe when you have Derek Ryan and if let's say it's Fogel and Cassian on your third line, maybe they'll bump up and get more ice time. Or maybe one of those guys in a game will get more ice time. But I'm starting to wonder if, if you know, if, if this isn't going to be the norm that we see rather low ice times for six oh, forwards, six. <clears throat> high ice times for six mm-hmm. forwards. And maybe there's maybe one exception in the bottom six, like to that, because he gets a lot of special teams time in a, in a particular game. Like Turris got more special teams time. He was at, well, he's only at 12.59 because he got a minute on the power play. Well, that's nothing new, but I will point out to you that five Emerson forwards played last night in uh, uh, in uh, Everett, Washington, and then much earlier tonight in Edmonton, Alberta, and they were Devon Shore, Seth Griffiths, Colton Sevier, Ryan McLeod, and Brendan Perlini, the exact five guys that all well, got under 12 minutes. So I'm guessing that maybe the coaches were just just uh, not leaning on them too hard because that's that's a tough back-to-back, 21 hours between games. Yeah, they, that that could be a factor. Of, um, and and again, you'd ha- I don't know. Like you'd have to look a little closer at the time on ice, usual time on ice, to don't see. Have it from last night, so we can't yeah. really sort of add them together. But. Yeah, well, no, just for the regular season last year yeah. to see how common it is to have that kind of uh, on bottom, this team bottom Very six, common. probably pretty pretty common. The difference would be this year that the there'll be two long, <laughs> instead of three players getting a ton of ice time, there might be six. Uh, which would cut into the ice time of everybody else, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. If they have six players, Bruce, who can who can fly, and they do, they have 10 six. To Twelve players. minutes is a lot. You know, if you got six guys doing it, they're playing well over one period of the game. As long as they're holding their own in that time, then they're contributing. But they got six guys plus Fogel, right? Who might be able to. And Cassian, I, I, I'm not, I'm not loving Cassian on a skill line this year. I don't think it's gonna. In some games against really belligerent teams, oh, okay. we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll see that now and then. But we're, he's, Zach Cassian has some good qualities as a player, but playing on a skill line, I, I don't, I think that's, 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 that was, you know, that's so 2019, 20 here. You know, it's not going to happen again. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't prefer it that it happened again, but maybe it will. All right. Any other thoughts, Bruce? Any other? Any other news? They got a bunch of players sent oh, down. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. There was one piece of news, and it has to do with Tyler Benson. 
Uh-oh. Having dealing with some kind of a groin issue. Oh no! Is that, how's that for great timing? This is from Reed Wilkins just before the game. Dave Tippett says Tyler Benson is dealing with a groin issue. As Isn't Archibald sidelined him as a junior, something along those lines. Yeah, well, let's hope it's not that groin issue. But yeah, any groin issue at this point, you want him to be yeah. at a hundred percent for this opportunity. No, no hands <laughs> or buts for him to have any kind of physical problem. This crappy luck for him. And Tippett adds, Archibald not likely to be on the ice anytime soon. We'll have more information tomorrow. So. Yeah, I wonder what's going to happen with Archibald. Uh, yeah. Could go any number of ways, but uh, sounds like he's dealing with something that's that's uh, either unrelated or loosely related to, like you speculated on that before, in terms of the stress he's under. Yeah, who knows what it is? Yeah. We'll we'll find Hopefully out. Hopefully, we'll find out tomorrow. Because I mean, he's just in terms of my soap opera. Well, I'm sure the this is why they've got to make a decision here, right? Send him to the minors or suspend like whatever whatever your options are. I don't know what all the options are under the CBA that you can do with the player, but deal with this now and get it over with because uh, it's time to move on and get this team going. Um. I, I really think Alan May made that point last week on Oilers right. Now. Like, good teams don't have distractions. I I think he's right, and uh, I think it's a it's a it's a solid point. It is so hard to win in the NHL, so mm-hmm. difficult that if you have these distractions around your team constantly, that's a major impediment. And uh, I I think the Oilers are going to have to deal with it here. So we'll see what happens. Well, Columbus, we talked about Zach Ronaldo before, where they didn't invite him to their main camp. They were going to assign him directly to their AHL club. And today, or maybe yesterday, they announced that they're not even sending him to the AHL club. They just don't want him, uh, an unvaccinated player, in the locker room of either their, their NHL or AHL club. And they're just going to pay him to sit out the season. Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's interesting how different it is in the NBA. I don't even know the rules. I just kind of oh, now yeah. and then see stuff on Twitter like this star, that star isn't getting vaccinated, not vaccinated. Yeah. Different world, different world in the United States. And uh, saw a great interview with a highly, tallly intelligent Kareem Abdul-Jabbar last night on that subject. And he, he was on Amanpour and company and he was giving the, the opposite view of these guys need to get with the program or the league needs to carry on without him. That's what Kareem said. And here's a highly respected former player kind of making that case as well. But we'll see where it goes in basketball. Where it's, it's, a, it's a much more star-oriented uh, sport than hockey, which I would call more team-oriented as a, as a general rule. I mean, there's an element of both in each sport, don't get me wrong. Which yeah. I think uh, having Kareem Abdul-Jabbar speak out would be about have the same kind of impact as maybe, I don't know, Ken Dryden speaking out now and then all the players would go, who? <laughs> all the well, young guys would go. Any basketball player who? doesn't know who Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is. He's I, bet you, I bet you a lot of young players don't. Well, I'll bet you not many have not heard of Kareem. Oh, they probably heard of him. Well, they put in any weight. Well, they put her to Bobby Orr. You know, I mean, it's a while back. Well, they put any weight in what he says. Uh, Well, the ones, the headstrong ones, probably won't. 
anyway, yeah. he, he made, he's an extremely intelligent, eloquent man, Kareem. Uh, he's written a number of books. I mean, I've heard he him has. many times yeah. before, and, and uh, he makes his case in a most cogent manner. And he made it last night. Anyway, it's a, this is a this is a battle that's going on across society, and hockey is far from, uh, shall I say, immune from being involved in it. It 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 is pretty much settled with the Oilers. I mean, I, I, you know, the Oilers are fortunate that that Archibald isn't a really key player on the team. Like he's a he's he's a he's a good player. He would make this team this year. Like he, yeah, he, he would help this team. You know, uh, they could use him in the lineup, but if if he decides to go a different direction, uh, from the team's perspective, it's not the end of the world. And there you I have heard, it. I heard your comment on last night's podcast with Kurt, and thanks, Kurt, for filling in for me in uh, dire circumstances of not being able to watch the game. So I wouldn't have been fit to talk to last night anyway, but uh, you made the point about Archibald's Speed and hitting, setting him apart from Sevier, and that those were kind of his two NHL class talents, you know. And, and I would add penalty killing to that list. Yes, but yeah. It's you know, uh, he's got enough of those uh, things that he would be able to help the team if he was able to play for the team for the entire season. But uh, certainly not worth the sideshow of uh, of in and out of the lineup and the, you know all the attendant. Uh, BS surrounding it all. So, well, if you think about Warren Fogle, he's kind of like an Archibald player, but he's bigger. He's just as fast, if not faster, and he's tough. He's really tough, and he, apparently he kills penalties. So, you know, he's a third line oh, okay. guy. Fair enough. He's a he's a third line guy, and uh, we'll see how that works out because that could be a significant kind of upgrade. Like if you're th- if you're thinking, well, the owners don't have enough of the, but they're going to have Cassian in the bottom six. They're going to have Fogle probably in the bottom six. Devin Shore will probably be playing in the bottom six. So there are those kinds of players there, you know, um, you know, because Benson, Benson and Benson might in his own way give the Oilers some of those things like the penalty killing and some some strong defensive play. So. All right, Bruce, let's leave it there for tonight. Thanks for talking. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.